Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. I'm your host, Elliot, and in joining me, the virtual studio from all over the planet is Doug and Erica. Hello. Hi. We also have Damien on the wheels of steel today. Hello. And um, yeah, this week's show, we are going to be talking about interesting concept, actually. Um, The idea that medications, pharmaceutical medications, um, aside from their intended effects, actually having certain adverse consequences or adverse effects in changing the um, changing people's personalities. Okay, so effectively, uh, cases where people have taken drugs for some specific reason, maybe to lower cholesterol or to improve their blood pressure or something like that, and actually ending up with the horrible kind of unintended consequence whereby they notice dramatic shifts in how they feel, in how they perceive the world, and in how others perceive them. So we're going to start off with talking about an article that came out recently on um, the BBC, actually. So very well-known British Broadcasting Agency. Um, And essentially, the article was titled The Medications That Change Who We Are. So this is quite a long article, actually. And it gives several examples of cases where people have taken a drug and ended up noticing severe shifts in their personality. Um, It's a very good article. It fleshes out lots of different things. What what do we think of this article, guys? Yeah, I thought it was um, like an excellent article, actually, and it was surprising that it was actually on the BBC. Um, Generally, you don't see a lot of bad-mouthing of pharmaceuticals happening in the mainstream press just because um, the pharmaceutical industry is a big um, funder of uh, mainstream media, essentially, like, you know, Maybe that that's more the case in the in the U.S. and maybe that's why the BBC can kind of get away with it. But um, I I know that a lot of the uh, mainstream media in um, the U.S. is uh, you know basically their bread and butter is pharmaceuticals because the pharmaceuticals run so many ads and um, just do a lot of uh, of um, funding. I don't know if funding is the right word, but basically they they are the engine that the mainstream media essentially runs on. So it was nice to see that um, an article like this uh, would come out on a mainstream publication, um, kind of getting the word out, because I don't think a lot of people, you know, everybody hears about side effects from pharmaceuticals, but I don't think very many people realize that this kind of thing is an actual risk. That, um, you know, you could start taking uh, medication for uh, Parkinson's disease and end up with a gambling addiction or, um, you know, engaging in risky behaviors and things like that. It, it, it really isn't um, intuitive, these kinds of things. So I think it's good that the word is kind of getting out on this. Definitely. I noticed in the article, the author said, we're all familiar with the mind-bending properties of psychedelic drugs, but it turns out that ordinary medications can be just as potent. And he kind of gives a list of the stuff like you were doing, Doug, about from uh, 
paracetamol, like basically uh, acetaminophen in the U.S., antihistamines, statins, asthma medications, antidepressants. And uh, he goes on to say that there's emerging evidence that they make us impulsive, angry, restless, diminish our empathy for strangers, and even manipulate fundamental aspects of our personality, such as how neurotic we are. Yeah. So it's interesting when you get a prescribed a medication, they don't really go into the fact that there's a possibility this could change your personality. You know, you always hear, well, there's side effects, and but not it could completely alter your personality. Yeah. There was one case in particular where, you know, I, I was talking about the um, the whole gambling addiction thing. There actually was a case back in 2011 um, where a French uh, father of two actually sued GlaxoSmithKline saying that um, he was taking a medication for Parkinson's disease and it turned him into a gambler and a gay sex addict and was responsible for risky behaviors that led him to being raped. It's like, wow. You know, I mean, you know, it's it, if, if it was a case in isolation, you might be kind of like, oh, okay, come on, like whatever. The guy got into some crazy stuff and he's trying to blame his medications. But um, the fact of the matter is it isn't an isolated case. There are other cases. Um, there was another one that they talked about in the article uh, in 2015. Um, there was a man who was targeting young girls on the internet. Um, but he used the ar- uh, the argument that his anti-obesity drug, uh, Duramine, actually made him do it. Uh, it said it reduced his ability to control his impulses. Um, and there's other there's other cases where like even you know, even murderers and uh, um, attempted suicides. Uh, a lot of times they'll they'll say it's the medication that's making me do this. And we've seen that over the years, like, especially with SSRIs, you know, they Mm -hmm. have, some of them have warnings about suicidality and uh, violent behavior, but you wouldn't think it would be in something like an obesity drug or a Parkinson's drug. Or statins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, you know, what we have to remember is that kind of, um, our, our mood, the way that our brain is functioning at any one given time is very much, now not to be too kind of reductionistic about this, but it's at least partially determined by the con- composition of chemicals floating around in our brain, right, in our central, central nervous system. And that many of the drugs that we take have very definite effects on those chemicals and, and actually oftentimes unintended effects, right? So for instance, L-DOPA is the amino acid precursor to dopamine. So the concept is, is that someone who has Parkinson's actually has an autoimmune condition whereby their um, immune system is attacking the, the neurons in their brain, which are responsible for producing dopamine. Okay. And so the idea is, is that to take L-DOPA is to replace or to provide the precursor which can essentially effectively replace dopamine. What we have to understand about dopamine is it's not only involved in kind of motor functions and other things which tend to um, become dysfunctional in Parkinson's, but dopamine is, is like it plays a central role in how we feel and the kind of behaviors that we tend toward, right? And so there's these thrill-seeking behaviors like this, numerous studies showing that chronic administration of this drug, this L-DOPA, because it's producing a bunch of dopamine, and we don't really know the effects that that's having on every other part of the brain and all of the other neurotransmitters and brain chemicals. So actually, there's people who are coming out and saying, well, some people are getting 
really anxious with it. Some people are developing kind of weird cravings, like craving things that they never did and, and kind of thrill-seeking type behaviors, taking crazy risks that are completely kind of abnormal for them. Other people, it makes them depressed. There's like major inter-variability, like uh, variability between different people in their response to these kinds of chemicals. And we have to remember that they are psychoactive chemicals in many cases. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just like you're taking, um, you know, people think that if you want to change how you're feeling and how your brain's working, take like a, a recreational drug. Well, actually, a lot of the times these are acting on the same biochemical systems as, as pharmaceutical um, drugs are. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of dangerous game when you're playing with things like this. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, with, with that one, it's kind of like, well, you can see the connection there because, um, you know, dopamine is, like you were saying, very important for uh, regulating mood and all those sorts of things and how you kind of relate to the world. But I think one of the really surprising ones is actually the uh, cholesterol medications. Medications like statins, where you take them to lower your cholesterol levels. Well, what they found is that it's actually, in some people at least, leading to violence. Um, and, you know, people having these fits of rage and things like that. Um, it's interesting, though, because, I mean, you don't think of cholesterol. I mean, everybody, when they think of cholesterol, they think about the heart, the circulatory system, that sort of thing. Don't necessarily think about the brain, the mood, those sorts of things. But there have been studies where they found that when you put primates on a low cholesterol diet, they become more aggressive. Um, it's because putting them on... Or, lowering their cholesterol actually seems to affect their levels of serotonin, um, which is another important brain chemical um, as far as mood is concerned. Um, and apparently even fruit flies will start fighting if you mess up their serotonin levels. Um, but yeah, they've studies, they've linked, uh, linked too low cholesterol to uh, violence, impulsivity, suicide, and murder. So it's, it, it, it just seems really crazy to me because, you know, considering how many people are on cholesterol-lowering medication and how many people they want to put on cholesterol-lowering medication, the fact that it could have these kinds of effects is quite shocking, really. Yeah, indeed. It, it's, it's disturbing when you think, you know, the sheer number. I think, I think statins, of, or at one time, they were the best-selling drug of, of all time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it really makes you wonder how many people are experiencing these kind of personality changes just from taking a statin because their blood lipids were a little bit too high. Mm -hmm. Now there, there was a really good kind of review paper, um, on PubMed and it's called mood personality and behavior changes during treatment with statins, a case series. So they were basically looking at 12 different cases, which had been reported in the literature of quite severe um, personality changes documented from the use of a statin. And, and when they were, um, you know, kind of sifting through the quality of the case studies, of course, when it's a case study, it's observational, but, but they were relatively um, strict on what they would allow in this study and in this mm. review. And, and they would say like, it would only be, documented cases of individuals who had no previous history or very limited previous history of this kind of behavior. And then all of a sudden upon 
taking the statin would dramatically change in their behavior <clears throat> and in the kind of way that they were functioning and things and then only improve when they came off the drug. So there's, there was like it, reading through some of these case studies, it was quite st- scary. There was one of an individual case number one. And it, it says that by five days after the initiation of the high dose statin, his wife noted development of marked uncharacteristic behavior changes, including darker change in affect um, with relative loss of his previously bright personality and sense of humor. His wife described uh, describes him as having an uh, as having been an avid cook who also enjoyed substantive con- conversation. He lost interest in both following statin initiation. Mm. His altered personality and behavior characteristics progressed over the ensuing ensuing months with manifestations including irritability, detachment, attention problems, joylessness, anxiety, fatigue, impatience, insomnia, and reduced social interest in activities. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it completely kind of, it, it ruined this guy's life, essentially. It says, I mean, it's really sad, but it says nine months after initiating the statin, he committed what family members describe as a completely unexpected suicide with a gunshot wound to the head and self-inflicted wounds to the wrist and neck. Toxicology report reveals no alcohol or commonly abused drugs in his system at the time of death. So, I mean, nine months in. So after five days, this guy started taking a statin. Previously, you know, emotionally healthy guy. All of a sudden, major personality changes. And then, boom, nine months later, commits suicide, shot himself in the head out of nowhere. Now, that is pretty bizarre. And I mean, but there's multiple of these case studies. I mean, there's there's one more I'd just like to read out. It's of a, a woman. Fortunately, her case was not as tragic as this. Um, so she had been on a statin, I can't remember for how long for, but some of the things she experienced was wanting to leave her husband despite after being him with being with him for over, over 20 years uh, in a happy marriage. Uh, she experienced joylessness. She felt that there was a, a veil between her and others um, and the inability to feel happy at a daughter's wedding desire for isolation, wanting to quit her job, loss of appetite and energy. So um, after three months of this, of statin treatment, these um, mood and personality changes were noted by a doctor. Um, they, they were stopped um, and then within a month disappeared. Uh, so it's, 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 it's not by chance, right? Yeah. It was because of the statin. Yeah. It's good, actually. That's a good case because it sounds like uh, the doctor was relatively on top of it. Because it seems like a, in a lot of these cases, um, the doctors will basically say there's no way that that is from the drug. Like they just will not um, accept that. You know, the patient will come to them and say, "Listen, I think this drug is really messing with my personality," and they'll be like, "No, no, there's no way. Um, just stick with it. You know, it's fine. It's it's not because of the drug. You're you're just going through some stuff." Um, it, there was one guy in particular who was mentioned in that BBC article we were talking about previously who um, kind of made the connection that he the that his road rage and uh, other outbursts of rage kind of started when he got enrolled in a trial for statins 
And he went in there and uh, said to the doctor, like, I really think that this is messing with me. And the doctor said to him, no, there's no way. That's not happening because of the medication. It's very important that you stay in the trial and keep taking the medication. Well, the doctor got a taste of his own medicine because the guy, like, lost it on him and, like, raged. So, you know, and then, of course, promptly stopped taking the medication and went back to normal. So, yeah. And what, what you guys are talking about, I mean, back in 2007, Dr. Mercola carried an article about statins called Why Doctors Often Dismiss Drug Side Effects. And they were talking about statins, in particular Lipitor and Zocor. And uh, they did a survey um, of patients that were on these medications. And I'll just read you some stats about what the survey revealed. Uh, when people started to talk to their doctors about side effects, things like muscle problems, memory, and mood changes, 47% said their doctors dismissed their muscle or cognitive problems and said they weren't statin-related. 51% uh, with the type of nerve pain called neuro-peripheral neuro neuropathy said their doctors denied a connection with the drugs. 32% their doctors said their doctors denied a connection between their symptoms and satins, and 29% said their doctors neither endorsed nor, nor dismissed the possibility of symptom links to statins. So it sounds like, you know, even back then, the doctors weren't really addressing this very serious possibility that these people are changing as a re result of what? Just trying to lower cholesterol? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was interested in like what what could possibly drive this. Like Doug said that there's some evidence to point to the idea that okay, maybe like cholesterol is involved in serotonin, but there's a couple of other um there's a couple other ways that statins could potentially really influence how the nervous system and how the brain is functioning. I mean, mm. one of those apparently I I didn't know this, but um Cholesterol is really important for the uh, for the nerves. I mean, we know that cholesterol basically makes up cell membranes, but it's been shown that low cholesterol can essentially affect how neurons are passing messages from one another. So, so that's really important. But then, if we look at the action of a statin, like a statin, basically a statin inhibits an enzyme called HMG-CoA reductase, okay? So this enzyme is basically how we are synthesizing our own cholesterol. So when you take a statin, it doesn't stop the cholesterol that you're getting from the diet. All it does is it stops you from making your own from the raw material, okay? And that enzyme, unfortunately, that enzyme is not only involved in how we make cholesterol, but that enzyme is also necessary <clears throat> for synthesizing something else called coenzyme Q10. Okay, so coenzyme Q10 is essentially, it does all sorts of wonderful things. First of all, coenzyme Q10 is really important for the heart. So people who take statins and then develop like a heart attack a couple of years later, you know, there's a very clear link there. Coenzyme Q10 is really important for the heart. It's, it's a, an antioxidant for the cardiovascular system. So it actually protects the arteries, it protects the heart, it protects kind of the, the entire vascular system. But at the same time, coenzyme Q10, it potentially its most important role in the body is as a, um, it's essentially an electron carrier in, um, 
in the electron transport chain in basically on our mitochondria, how we are making energy. So how we're taking um, food from the diet and then converting that into usable energy, we run that through a part of the cell called the mitochondria. And the mitochondria inside there uses coenzyme Q10 to do that. And so what happens is, is that when we become depleted in coenzyme Q10, such as if we take a statin, which means that we actually reduce our, our synthesis of coenzyme Q10, that leads to something called mitochondrial dysfunction. And interestingly, mitochondrial dysfunction is related to almost every disease, but particularly um, neuropsychiatric diseases and um, aggression and irritability and these kinds of things. So actually, it's, um, th this paper was talking about really one of their main hypotheses for how statins are leading to such weird behavioral changes is related to the fact that it's like really disrupting mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, mitochondrial function and causing a bunch of oxidative stress. Remember that CoQ10 is also an antioxidant. So actually when you have a lack of energy in certain parts of the brain, those parts of the brain can't work as well. And, and so it, in the paper, they talk about how mitochondrial dysfunction has been documented um, with a wide variety of kind of psychiatric problems. So that is behavioral changes, that is kind of, as I, as I said, uh, unwarranted aggression. These kinds of things can in some cases be tied back to a lack of energy in the regulatory uh, parts of the brain where we are kind of... Um, changing our behavior. You know, we're in control of our, our behavior and our actions. When you lack energy in, in those parts of the brain, you, you, you become kind of um, impulsive and erratic and, and kind of, yeah, I mean, it, it's complete mess and how no one, no one thought that this would ever happen. I mean, maybe they did think it would happen, but they didn't bother telling anyone because there was too many billions to be made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, another one actually, and uh, Erica, I think you mentioned this at the top of the show, is um, paracetamol, which is um, acetaminophen um, in the U.S. Um, that one they found actually, like, it's a pain reliever, right? It's like over-the-counter medication. You got a headache, you take a paracetamol, acetaminophen, um, and it works by blunting physical pain. It, sorry, it blunts physical pain by reducing activity in certain br brain areas, such as the insular cortex, um, which also happens to play an important role in our emotions. So what they found is that paracetamol actually significantly reduces our ability to feel positive empathy. Um, and, you know, like they, they, they kind of were talking about this before because they found that people who would take paracetamol actually found that they would get over things like breakups easier or any, anything where they were feeling grief or something like that. If they took a paracetamol, they were kind of like, Oh, um, I actually don't feel so bad anymore. But, um, empathy is actually really important. <laughs> you don't want to just go around <laughs> blunting your empathy. Like you would blunt a headache, you know, um, it leads to more stable romantic relationships, better adjusted children, more successful careers, um, some scientists have even suggested that that actually is what kind of made us human is our, our ability to empathize. Like it actually led us to be able to thrive in the natural environment. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of crazy that, um, that, that something as seemingly innocuous as a headache medication, a pain reliever over the counter, anybody can get it, any drugstore 
would have that kind of effect. Now, fortunately, it really only lasts as long as the drug is in your system. So, you know, people aren't generally popping this stuff every day, but there might be some situations where you wouldn't want to have blunted empathy. Like if you have to have a difficult conversation with your wife or your husband or a coworker, the boss, something like that, like in a, a situation where you would actually need to be relatively empathetic, you would probably want to avoid taking this medication. Unfortunately, this is never really publicized. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't say on the side of the box, may reduce empathy. Yet. <laughs> and yeah. and I, I would disagree with you maybe that people actually are taking a lot more than. Oh, me think. too. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, that's probably true. So in the true. U.S. they call it Tylenol. You know, just go mm-hmm. home and take a Tylenol. Mm-hmm. But in that article that we started off the show with, they said that uh, in, in the U.S. alone, people are buying up 49,000 tons of paramedicine paracetamol or Tylenol every year, equivalent to about 298 tablets per person. And the, uh, and then he goes on about the average American is uh, consuming about $1,200 worth of prescription medications over the same period. So, you know, I mean, I think because, you know, you even give it to children. They make children's yeah. Tylenol. Mm-hmm. You know, you have mm-hmm. a toothache. You give them. So it's it's concerning because that whole idea of, what do they call it in psychiatric terminology? Affect flattening. So it's not mm-hmm. just negative emotions, but positive as well. You know, so you can see with the con- continual use of it, you know, because people, some people just gobble that stuff down. Oh, I've it's got true. a headache. I'm going to take Tylenol. And and you just then all of a sudden there's no highs or lows in people. I mean, we've talked in the past about psychiatric drugs doing that, but this is just an over-counter medication, like you said. You know, something you can buy at the gas station if you need. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of us in the the health world. It's easy to be in a bit of an echo chamber kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Whereas uh, I. I some of the people I've consulted with in the past, you know, they've been on paracetamol or Tylenol every day, oh, every really? single day for like eight years. Yes. Yeah, seriously. Jeez. Like every single day. It's really, really common. It's um, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite disturbing when you think about it, especially someone who's in chronic pain, right? right. Say if you're in chronic pain because you've got rheumatoid arthritis or some of the autoimmune condition, cause you're, cause you've, eating a, a sad diet and you know you're loaded up with toxins and generally maybe it's a side effect of some other medication that you've taken in the past and then the only thing that you can use is tylenol and you have to use it in really high doses because nothing else nothing else gets there and then you start realizing that actually yeah there's no highs and lows and you start becoming depressed so you take an ssri and then <laughs> And then it's just, you can see how polypharmacy is just a downhill spiral from there. Jesus. Well, and it's interesting about Tylenol too, because, you know, is, is that the one that they've discovered that it causes damage to the liver? And so yes, it seems yeah. like people know that now, you know, oh, well, I don't want to take too much because it might damage my liver, but you never hear them say, I don't want to take too much because it might reduce my empathy or make me, a, <laughs> you know, a, 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 a automaton or a robot. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I mean, is there anything else that we want to? Well, this is such there? a huge topic that we could go into. I mean, we had we didn't even get into like the actual psychotropic medications, like you know, ADHD medications, antidepressants, that kind of thing. Maybe it it would um, behoove us to do a show on those ones in particular in the future. Yeah, I just think we it's it's great that this stuff is coming out, as Doug said in the beginning, and Elliot, you know, I mean, the fact that this is out there on mainstream media means, you know, after how many years now, it's starting to get a little bit of attention, and always the optimist here, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, you know, um, some researchers will start to pick up these threads and start to do, as Elliot shared, some more studies where they actually have people coming out and, you know, suing these organizations. I mean, I know GlaxoSmithKline has been sued for a lot of things, and we won't go into it in this show, but Paxil being one, and that that could be a whole show in and of itself. But, you know, these, these pharmaceutical drugs that have limited testing and they don't go through the rigorous, you know, required mental aspects of it. You know, they, they just, you know, we'll cut your cholesterol. And uh, so you may start gambling and have gay sex, but you know, we're not going to deal with that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe people just need to start asking their doctors. So what are the emotional side effects of this medication, this new medication that you're going to give me, you know, putting people to task. (laughs) If the doctor doesn't know, then (laughs) there's not going to be much hope. (laughs) Yeah. It's usually the case that you can't rely. Uh, Well, like all things that we kind of talk about on this show, you you just can't rely on, you can't rely on, on your doctor to, to basically take control of your health kind of thing. You have to take your own responsibility and learn about the kind of influences you expose yourself to. And if you do need to take a drug, then you need to learn about the kind of side effects and, and listen to your body and, and, and try to do the best that you can with that and try to find natural alternatives where possible, I think. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the safest way to go about it. Um, of course, yeah, we could talk for hours on this topic, but ultimately uh, it seems like we're getting to the end of our show. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, for any of the listeners, there's there's a bunch of interesting articles on this and, and, and kind of scientific literature as well. So I definitely recommend anyone who is interested in it to um, to go and uh, take a look at what's out there and, and learn some stuff and then share it because that's, you know, doing a service to other people because chances are everyone listening to this knows at least one or two people who regularly take these kind of medications and aren't aware of these particular side effects. And um, at least some of those might be interested to learn about them. So, yeah. Okay, then. Right. So if there's nothing else, then thanks for tuning into this week's edition of Objective Health, everyone. Um, If you like this video, then like and subscribe to our page because we're doing one of these every week. Um, And again, share it if you found it helpful. Um, For now, I think that's it. Anything else for my co-hosts? No, I think that's it. Okay, perfect. Right. Okay, then. Well, see you all next week then, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.